Today, we are going to space, Yay. where we spend most of our days. <laughs> Gosh, it's that simple, huh? <laughs> yeah. We were inspired, though, because uh, our very own Justin Bradford of the Untitled Film Project podcast got to go down and be part of a special crew to witness what, unfortunately, was not an Artemis launch, uh, but you had access to the American Space Program. So it's what's called a NASA social. They formerly were called tweet-ups. Uh, so they've been doing this for years. And this was actually the first in-person NASA social since the pandemic. So this okay. is a big deal. And for obvious reasons, it's for those that aren't familiar, Artemis is a set of missions that are taking uh, people back to the moon. And it's not just to land on it, but it's actually to do more further experimentation and eventually establish a base (laughs) on the moon. So it's taking it really to the next level for deep space travel and eventually Mars. And we've seen this in how many countless films and movies and television shows and documentaries about life out there. Well, it's eventually going to happen. And that's what we were supposed to witness. We didn't get to see that through two times. Two launch delays. two, Two launch delays. But the overall access to NASA and to the Canadian Space Agency and to so many different inner workings of the space agency was phenomenal regarding talking to astronauts and asking their favorite movies. I had to keep it, you know, bring it back home uh, for that. We to, appreciate your service. To asking Canadians uh, what jersey <laughs> they had put on the moon <laughs> as well. And just in, and having a lot of fun meeting other influencers, but also meeting a lot of people that work in different various aspects of social media, like meeting people that work for Meta, also known as Facebook and Instagram, meeting people that work for Reddit or Twitter or LinkedIn, and just making those connections as well, too, because it's how we do social media. I mean, the reason why so many people have found out about our podcast is because of social media, right? Absolutely. And that's the whole part, the whole point about this launch was utilize social media to inform and educate people about the reasons why we are going to go back to the moon why this is important and what it means for the future of not just NASA, but humans (laughs) as a species and how that's going to also reflect on movies, film, pop culture, entertainment. It's going to change everything. We just look back and I know I'm ranting a little bit here, but you just look back at how space travel has been affected and how it affects the pop culture and the movie and film industry so much banks on that as well. The cyclical nature of what is (laughs) science fiction Mm -hmm. becomes reality and a documentary and (laughs) a documentary so yes uh not only are we going to talk about uh, the space program in general and specifically about what's going on with artemis but we thought what better time to revisit our original reaching the moon with the documentary apollo 11 it is some say the most triumphant moment in human history. Mm. Okay? If you look at everything that's happened in human history that has made an impression and has survived and we know about it, most of them are terrible things. They're world wars. Uh, they're, you know, plagues, pandemics. Here's a triumph of the human spirit to get on the moon 50 years ago. So this is a a moment and the documentary Apollo 11, which is a lot of found footage and footage they had that has never been seen before, is tremendous and a remarkable achievement. So let's go to it. Jeremy K. Gover. I, I'm speechless now because I was basically speechless while watching it. It's so inspiring. It's so, I, mean, I was just so awestruck. I felt like I was in the moment 
like in 1969 watching it unfold, but in a 2022 way, if that makes any sense, right? Like a, the 21st sure. century way. Like a time traveler. Yeah, would. essentially. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's right. So there was so much to love about it. And I really did feel like I really am speechless because I don't, I don't, it was so great. It was so informative. The one thing I did take away from it is they easily could have been like, all right, look, and I would not have counted off points, by the way. Could have been like, all right, we're going to bring Morgan Freeman on, and he's going to narrate this whole thing right? for the clips that maybe we just want to show or whatever. Instead, they doubled down on the documentary uh, take and just played audio of the entire sequence. It's Nat Sound with the slight addition of Walter Cronkite. Yes. And some bed music as well. And, and Oh, which is great, by the way. And the score is phenomenal, It is, by the it is way, great. Which is, which is the only thing You're created. the one that says that? Not I know. Me. I thought about I you. I, I had that in my notes. I thought <laughs> I'm, about you. I'm mostly saying this to shut you up about the score, <laughs> but uh, you know, I certainly have to admire that's the only creative piece about uh, you know, that they put in this movie. The rest is real stuff. The, the way they laid it out, too. Usually when we see split screen, yeah, it's kind of lazy or it's like cute, you yeah. know. But they went to the point where uh, uh, Richard Childress, I'm making up a name. Richard Childress is, uh, he's, he's the, the group's leader for this 12-hour run or whatever. When the audio says Richard Childress is going to take over for blah, 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 they would show a picture, or excuse me, not even a picture, a B-roll of Richard Childress in, on one side of the screen and then not let you miss the action on the other side of the screen. So you actually see the, the rocket launching while they're referring to these people over here, like medical comms and like, you know, and, and, and status reports and all while they're going around the room. They're talking about all these different departments and they're showing the departments on one side of the screen while they're not letting you miss the launch over here. And what team they're a part of because there are multiple teams. Yes. I think it's a 24-7 operation. Yes. So also NASCAR con- fans are going to be very confused right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dropping to Richard Childress. I think NASCAR fans are, are probably so understanding of the the nasa process because it's that team it's i mean multiple I, voices being heard all the time too. yeah i never would have thought about that but i think it, it was buzz aldrin uh they didn't lower third it so i i, I don't and i don't know what the guys look like specifically they're about to land a day from landing like from from re-entry and there's this tv broadcast and they're going to go on tv and he says something like it's kind of uh you you're only seeing three men but really, there are thousands of people on the ground doing their own job. Yes. And they're, they're the reason we are successful. It was so, it, it provided such perspective, I'm sure, to the American public at the time. Because, you know, we all sit around here like, you know, we work in radio or we work in nonprofits or whatever the case is. And we know that we can't do our jobs without a team of people. That team may be two people. It may right. also be 30. But we know that we, okay, I'm successful in my job because I have three or four people getting me video. Or Bradford's successful in his job because he's able to promote events that two or three other people lead and they put on and find the host cities and do all this stuff. Like, Jim, you're successful in radio because you have three or four co-hosts that yes. bring up the charisma of the show. And I, you know, But we then, in our circle of friends, or even people that are like, oh, don't you work in radio? Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. But they think it's just you. Right. So for, for, this, for an astronaut, right, at the peak of his fame, let's be honest, he's on TV in space. <laughs> to At say, that point, it's thousands of other people doing the. It was just he's one of the most famous people to ever live. Yes, right. Yes, he's in that group, and for him to recognize all the people 
that truly got him there and not just saying it, you know, like, oh, it's a team sport. We all got right. to, but like, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? It could, there, there could be that very cliche, you know, quarterback quote, but you know, it, he actually was explaining what the real deal was to America because, you know, while we may idolize astronauts for very good reasons, right. uh, we have to idolize the people that are doing a math calculation, the people that are, you know, it, the janitor that is making sure that hallway is is clear. You know, there's so much about it that the American people not only have to understand, but we also have to pay for. So NASA right. has has a vested interest in us being okay with them employing thousands of people. Yes. And that's something that's very important when it comes to Artemis as well, because multiple people are saying, you know, why does it have to be right? Why are so many things getting scrubbed? Yes, we've been waiting years and years for this to happen. For those that don't know, this has been like a decade <laughs> in the making. Yes. This is something that's been Artemis. Right. Yes. Love yet. Artemis is that when you see a scrub happen, they point to it and it's like, we have to get this right. Why? Because you don't want to see this $4 billion space launch sy- system exploding in the air after launch because that's $4 billion of your dollars. Yep. You, the taxpayers, are our boss, and through the works of Congress, decide what we are able to do and what we're able to spend. And so you don't want to see you don't want to see failure to astronauts. You do not want to see their families right. grieving. You don't right. want to see Apollo Everything one has to be right. You don't want to see a repeat of Apollo one. And and through this, as well through watching this documentary, and it's not something new to me, but I'm sure other people there can be a lot of new things. That they may not realize because you think, yes, there's Apollo 1, you didn't have 2 and 3, you skip ahead to uncrewed missions because they start testing again before you get back to crewed missions where they actually, you know, go around the moon. Jim Lovell, who was a part of Apollo 13, did get yeah. close, but was part of that test mission to get to the moon. They had to do p- multiple tests before they even got there. So with Artemis, this is a major test mm-hmm. as well. So it's a lot of money for a test, but it's our tax dollars that are being a part of that because we don't want these things to explode or have failure because the next mission is going to have people on it and it all ties together with in this documentary of apollo 11 the the astronauts are on in the module as they're tightening screws for the fueling system i don't think a lot of people understand that this was a space race yes it was we wanted to get to the moon but it was because we were going against the soviet union to be the first this wasn't just for we want to do it because it's an exploration for all mankind yeah that's a huge part of it but it was a space race to be first because we're in the middle of a cold war and so a lot of things were let sliding that's why apollo one the fire happened there so they're they're tightening screws (laughs) and people don't realize how close we were to failure happening especially when landing now they almost missed the landing in Tranquility Base because there were lots of rocks that didn't account for, and that Neil Armstrong only had 16 seconds of fuel left when he touched down. They were this close to having to abort, and those are the little yeah. things you learn of how how so much guts and sheer luck and will made that happen, and you learn so much through a documentary like this by seeing just natural footage where they're not overcompensating with voiceover. You're just seeing it naturally happen, and it makes you yep. go, whoa. They're not they're not using a narrator, again, Morgan Freeman, whoever, right, to build the drama. It's there. Because they don't need to. They don't need to. It, and there it, was, it the filmmakers exists. were smart enough to be like, we don't have to add any fuel to this fire. Absolutely. Just let it burn because it's, and, it's incredible. And, and fire is 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 a great part of the narrative because this is so visceral. This is not hyperbole. It is three people getting into 
the tiniest little tin can <laughs> at the top of like, six million pounds of explosives that literally is being lit beneath them. I can't think of another scenario that would be more dangerous with that technology with the technology of the 60s of the, yes of the <laughs> 60s where uh you know they said the computing power of NASA at the time of that launch of Apollo 11 was no you know smarter than what is in your coffee maker right now mm-hmm. and that's right. probably the one without the timer right you know <laughs> right 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 kilobytes <laughs> yeah yeah uh they're doing this on paper they're using protractors yes uh, yes, slide it, rules. Yeah, it's amazing stuff, and and all of that, you know, uh, is is being, uh, you know, done with the biggest explosive that's you know not nuclear that's ever been seen on Earth. So I know we got to get to our grades here, but I, I want to make sure that I make a point to say this because it was so, as a second viewing in, in particular, it really brought it home to me. How great does the footage look? Oh, the remastering of it. Oh my! The God. restoration is is incredible because it does not look like you're looking at old footage. No, uh, and that totally gives what that you were talking about—that fly on the wall or that janitor in the back of the room feeling. I feel like I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm there in 1969. I'm actually sitting next to the people in the stands with the crazy sunglasses, and I'm feeling like I'm a part of it. Yeah, it's... you're right there on the ship with with Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, let's talk about uh, something that I don't think we've ever discussed before coming into this broadcast or this recording is there are so many people today, 50 some years later, that don't believe it happened. Right. Okay. So I think that level that adds a level of need to see for this movie. Uh, This actually happened. It was 50 years ago, and I think there's a lot of people that believe that that just weren't alive back then. And I think there's a mentality sometimes where if it happened before I was born, it probably didn't really happen or it's not important. And those two things couldn't be more wrong. I agree. I, I, I totally agree. My wife and I actually talked about it again while I was rewatching it. She's like, oh, you're doing this as a show? She's like, yeah. And usually she'll kind of tune out whatever I'm watching. Sure. Right? And she was just as into it as we, were, we watched it the first time. So, uh, and, and that came up was that pe- like we're watching this and be like, people don't believe that this, some people don't believe this really happened. And it's like, did they, it's an awfully expensive production. Yeah. With, because with thousands of, cons- <laughs> with thousands of people holding on to a secret. If the most really expensive happened. movie ever made. Because yes. the CGI was so good in the sixties <laughs> yes. that allowed, you know, them to make an awful fantastic four that never even saw the light of day. In the late 80s, early yes. 90s. Yeah, they were so good in the late 60s that they're able to, you know. And everybody was yeah. so good at keeping safe. So good. Oh, yeah. Thousands of people. Yes. Thousands yeah. of people. Thousands. That yeah. this isn't really happening. Government employees. Right. Yeah. President's Book of Secrets. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, it? That, that's a, a thing that I would say is so important. If you don't believe the space program happened, and I, trust me, I'm not making fun of you. I just think I am. you need to, I'm a little I, making well, fun of you. You got the first hand tour, so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you need to see it. So, uh, yes, let's get some scores and, uh, I, I'm sure we're probably, if we could give it double digits, we might, but let's see, who knows? <laughs> so uh, just to remind everybody, zero to 10 is our, zero our to scale. 10 is our scale. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
just in Bradford. Oh. You yeah, just yeah. came from the launch facility. Yeah, you get the mm-hmm. honor, I think. Okay, I get the honor. So at Kennedy Space Center, what is a fantastic exhibit there is the Apollo slash Saturn V Center. That is off property. You have to take a bus there. And in the building is a Saturn V rocket. It's pretty awesome to see. But building up to that is you have pre-shows, like what you experience at Disney. You have multiple pre-shows that basically has the launch room in there. And what I think you all would appreciate, too, is when certain voices are talking, they're highlighting with a light of who's talking and what position they're at in the launch room, which is phenomenal. Then when the rocket's taking off, the room is shaking like it's not just it's not like a 4d experience but the room is shaking to kind of make you feel that you're there this is all leading up to the score of why i think this documentary is great but that's just the pre-show so you're there for you know a few minutes so the access that you receive into learning so much about this mission the program the amount of people that it took to make this happen the amount of things that could have gone wrong that didn't or things that did go wrong and they fixed or things that maybe we just didn't hear about as well, but just the amount of footage that was previously unseen before gives you that even deeper look that typically you're probably only going to see at a place like a museum, like Kennedy Space Center. But even then, it's not put together in a way that is presented cinematically to help you dive into the footage like this. Um, So with that being the point, I give it a 9.5, especially with the type of documentary that it is, the scale, the types of... The cinematography, the way it's put together, the way it's pieced together as well, the addition of the yep. music to help heighten it a little bit, even though you don't need it. But also just that behind the scenes footage that we really haven't seen before and the reimagining, or not reimagining, but the retouching of the film as well, too, just heightens it up for me. Jimmy, you want to go next? Sure. I, uh, you know, I, I must admit, you know, I've seen it twice. And the first time I thought, wow, I was bored or something, you know, and I mentioned that, uh, you know, to go over and I said, you know, wait, I got to get out of that. I was in a bad headspace when I was watching this, this the first time. Seeing it the second time, I just thought it was a triumph. It was, it's the greatest f- found film movie put together I've ever seen. This is a gift. This movie shows what happened from, in, in 10 years, America was told by the president, <laughs> we're going to do this. It never existed. He said, in 10 years, we're going to do it. And they did it. And now it's taken 50 years to get back to this thing that they did. Uh, so, I, I, you know, yes, I'm, am, am I mixing the amazing achievement of uh, the moon launch? Sure. Uh, but the way they put it together, Todd Douglas put this film together in a remarkable way. The juxtaposition of, like you said, of, of certain scenes against the backdrop of other scenes uh, the music score, I think, was perfect, and that was the only thing that was needed. Uh, I loved that it was told without a narrator. I think a narrator would have been the easy way. So I am going to give it a 9.6 just to Ooh. be a jerk to Justin Bradford and give it a little higher score. The price is right? <laughs> <laughs> Plus $1. The price is wrong! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm Jeremy gonna, K. Gover. I'm going to be in the similar camp. That doesn't surprise anybody, I think. But what I will say, though, is I'm, I'm going to give you some triumphs and I'm going to give you some nitpicks. Okay. Okay. My triumphs are, as you mentioned, the musical score. It was so important to build the drama without the narrator, which I'll get to in a second. They, it, was, it was perfect. It was The score was perfect in the moments that it became evident, right? Uh, the footage upgrades. 
It looks gorgeous. It's like when I watched The Wizard of Oz on Blu-ray for the first time, and I thought, how was this movie done in 1939? It looks like it was done 10 years ago. Yes. <laughs> it is phenomenal. Whatever they did, there are, there are newer re-releases that need to go through whatever process this film did to upgrade their standard definition, you know, True. three by four, whatever the, it is, four by three footage. Todd Douglas is directing uh, of the surprising wealth of footage, right? Like, yeah. I never would have imagined back in 1969 when nobody had a camera in their pocket and nobody had video capabilities just on a whim, you know? Right. Uh, where it was like, it was a dedicated, like a concentrated effort. Like, oh, we need to capture this moment. Now, obviously, it's the moon landing. There's going to be <laughs> news channels everywhere and footage, people trying to get footage. That's, yes, I get that. But to this degree, where they're recording the audio every step of the way from the control room to this yes. to the mm-hmm. rocket and the and uh and Columbia and it just tells a perfect story without again a narrator and I think that's a big big deal. Nitpicks. Now, well said. The nitpicks. Yeah. The lower thirds were too small for me to read. <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> I understand why Wait, they did that. I thought you were going to say that usually you make jokes about Jim being the old guy. No, 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 it's definitely me this time. Okay. No, I know why they did it. They didn't want the information. They wanted it to be there, but they didn't want it to overpower what's on the screen. I okay. totally understand the minimalist <laughs> approach. The, yeah, I totally get that. But I but they have things like the, the speed. I'm now ignoring what's on this cuz I'm focused on what is that saying? Is that really quadruple digits? Is it this is it, and then they were talking about their heart rate at one point, and they put the heart rate on the screen for each for each man that was up there, and I was like, wait, one ten, you know, and I and I was so that's that's a nitpick for me. You had to you know pinch your screen a little bit. I did, yeah, <laughs> but it's unfortunately it's on a TV, so thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it felt longer than it was. He watched this in a smartwatch. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I felt I, it felt longer than it was, which is never a good thing. Yeah. Even uh, this movie that I was fully into and just in encapsulated by it still felt longer than the hour 45 runtime or whatever it is okay and the last thing is i'm not sure it's for everybody what no. i mean by that is if you don't like space or you you're not a history person who appreciates history sure you're probably not going to get through it yeah because there is no narrator to kick you in the pants and wake up your senses and do this and this because it's so powerful by itself but if you're not into it you're not going to get through it, and therefore I have yep. to take points off. And so my final my final score is a nine. Very good. I want to throw this out there because listening to your scoring of the movie, Jeremy, I think it should have been a an Academy Award nomination for best cinematography to the film crew fifty Ooh. years ago. Mm. I could get behind that. That would be probably a posthumous award for for many mm-hmm. people that worked on getting that filmed. Uh, they deserve it. What they did was beyond any film crew that's ever existed. So. I, I'm not going to argue with any of that. Nope, I won't either. All right. Everybody with agrees that. with Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Savor it now. Sheesh. So many great movies about space, and we can have arguments over which ones we didn't include, like Star The Wars. Martian and Star Wars and Gravity. And... Spaceballs! Okay. What? We're talking about real oh, sorry, space sorry. missions. I'm so sorry. <laughs> space Jam? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
What the is original going one, on? not that LeBron garbage. Let's talk about probably one of the biggest crowd pleasers uh, from a while back, Apollo 13. Tom Hanks, an amazing movie. Justin Bradford, get us uh, back into Apollo 13 mode. All right. So for those that are not familiar, which I'm sure if you're already listening to this, you're familiar with Apollo 13. It is basically discussing uh, what an oops in space (laughs) and how this crew and how the failure is not an option slogan comes to be was with Apollo 13 is that they're Jim Lovell is the commander. He had already uh, been a part of previous Apollo missions. Like we, like we said that, you know, circumvented the moon, uh, but did not step foot on the moon. This is his big shot, his last shot full of drama, real drama because they had to, (laughs) <laughs> let go of one of their pilots because he his blood work came back that he could get sick on the mission. Ken Manningly does not, so they replace him. Someone else ends up getting sick, which is Fred Hayes, played by Bill Paxton. And so this the whole mishmash of things happen for this mission, and then there's an explosion that happens shortly after launch, uh, in that they basically have to find a way to survive and make their way back to Earth. But they're too far away to to come back. They don't have the fuel for it. They have to find a way to utilize the LEM, which is the moon lander, to, to survive, to use the moon, to shoot them around, to give them enough speed to get back to Earth. And then they're in a loss of signal for much longer than anticipated during reentry. Uh, I thought it was just a great film overall. But the big thing for me is in talking to some astronauts <laughs> down at the space coast for instance um susan kilrain who was on two shuttle missions uh this is her favorite movie because of overall how accurately they portray a lot of things that should speak volumes that speaks volumes so to kind of go over it apollo 13 is one of the favorite movies of pretty much any of the astronauts that that we spoke with um the martian is also up there which is a, a fantastic movie with Matt Damon. I that is one of my favorites. It's a great film. Um the one that they don't particularly enjoy too much be, unless they separate the entertainment aspect from the reality aspect is Gravity. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. really? Oh, I, I was going to think um, Armageddon. I was hoping Oh was, no, no, no. <laughs> I was hoping it was like something funny like Spaceball. No, 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 no. <laughs> Armageddon though is Susan Kilroy's one of her least favorites. She's like, "Oh, I hate that." That I expect. Yes. That I expect. Um if anything, what's interesting is out of those disaster movies, Deep Impact is the favorite over Armageddon. Because of, I think, the reality behind things and how it's addressed. Armageddon was going more for, like, Uh, blockbuster, deep impact, brought more science into it. adrenaline, testosterone, and another one is feelings and humanity. Exactly. Uh, But Apollo 13 being the favorite of so many, I think it's because of the failure is not an option. We're going to do whatever it takes. It takes a team. It takes so many minds coming together to make this happen. Like what Gover was talking about before, how it is not just one person. Uh, that makes this happen, but so many different people. It's not just three people in in a, in a ship that is doing this. This is thousands of people coming together to save lives and to make things happen. So all that Apollo 13 encompasses. And granted, on IMDb, it's a 7.7 out of 10. I'm not saying it's worth like a 9.5 or anything, but in terms of like overall accuracy, especially given when this movie was made and what they're able to do with that, the casting, phenomenal cast. Yes. Overall, that's just it's one of the more accurate depictions of what happened. And it brought to light the importance of what happened in Apollo 13, because, as we're saying, with moon landing missions, so many people that weren't alive don't understand what happened and why it was such a big deal, because they still went on to the moon after this yeah. uh, up to Apollo 17. So this is one of those 
disasters they were able to luckily avoid happening because so many, so many people came together to get them back home safely. It's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. If there's, there, there's no better way to sell a script <laughs> than to say, this, they didn't make this up. Real drama. This happened. <laughs> they just happened to recreate it as opposed to the found footage of Apollo 11. In fairness, though, based on a true story is also very dangerous words as oh, an yes. audience member. <laughs> yes. Because they just throw that on everything. It's like, okay, yes. there was a guy once. Good enough. Based on a true story. <laughs> yes. There was a guy at one point. Superpowers. Space and Jam. And, I mean, Michael yeah. Jordan had to play a game to save the yes. world. <laughs> a basketball player, that's good enough. <laughs> Based on a true story. Yes. He was a basketball player. <laughs> that's right. And that's based on a true story. Uh, the only thing I'm really going to add to this, because Bradford summed it up perfectly, uh, the only thing I'm going to add is that this movie got nominated for nine Oscars, as it should have. Yes. It only won two, and it was yeah. film editing and sound, which, in the grand scheme of things, is kind of crappy. That yeah. is what they do to sci-fi movies I totally in Hollywood. Is they will give you some technical awards, but we don't care about your space mm-hmm. stuff. Helping to write this was Commander Jim Lovell. <laughs> right. I mean, he helped write it. So, <laughs> based on a true story, you're not taking somebody else from the outside. You're taking someone that actually experienced this That's right. to help write it, which leads into the why it felt so accurate with how it was depicted. Because he's there, at least in a collaborative sense, to be like, no, 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 that's too dramatic, that didn't happen. Yeah. Right. Or, oh, actually, you need to ramp that up because that's not dramatic enough. Yeah. He's actually like, there to say that. Exactly. To, to give you those differences. Yes. And to tell you the truth, I think the reason it didn't win Best Picture is because they had a loaded deck, and mm-hmm. they shouldn't be punished for it. No. But, I mean, they had a fantastic director, actors, every one of them. Phenomenal. Every, at their peak, by the way. At their peak, and, and everybody involved technically doing their, you know, the best of the best. They were like the, the New York Yankees. <laughs> 27 that, Yankees. Yeah. yeah. That, that had just, <laughs> they got the best of everybody. And I think because of that, uh, they said, well, we can't give you a best picture. You had a best picture. I, you know, so. Uh, my I, I, I want to bring up one more thing because this is ridiculous. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, boy. Yes. It lost best visual effects. Apollo 13 lost best visual effects to Babe. All right. So let's just. All right. Now that's a movie I love, but, but that's just on. wrong. Th- thank you. That's just wrong. <laughs> thank you. Oh, I'm not going to nitpick all of them. The, right. That one jumped off the page to me and I was like, that's unacceptable. So that'll not do pig. That- <laughs> One thing, too, to throw in, if you've never been to Kennedy Space Center as well, too, is you know, we hear of Jim Lovell because of Apollo 13, but obviously most of the focus goes on Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, sure. Alan sure. Shepard, all, all, all those big-time names, Michael Collins, all those big names. Jim Lovell plays a huge role at Kennedy Space Center, um, and this is my plug for Kennedy Space Center more than anything else, because if you are a space nerd or you have any sort of fascination in space, your children do, get there because there's hologram exhibits featuring all these different astronauts wow. part of Apollo and shuttle that you can like push and ask different questions on a touch screen and a hologram pops up and interacts with you and talks to you. It is phenomenal. That's Jim amazing. Lovell. Yeah. Is a huge part of this as well too. So it shows how big of a part he plays with NASA and with Apollo and how well respected he was because of his stories and his ability to lead obviously a writer as well too, but yeah. it just shows too that he is a, a bigger name than I think he gets credit for with everything that he's been able to accomplish and with everything that he accomplished in his career with NASA. He's a heavyweight. Yeah, in absolutely. A, in, in the hardest club to get into. Yeah. 
<laughs> Literally. Uh, he's uh, he's 94 and still with us. Mm-hmm. Incredible. So if he's still with it, because you know, as we know, unfortunately, some people are not when they sure. reach that age. But uh, if he's still if he's still with it and sharp, what stories he could tell? I'm sure. Yeah. Just some wow. of the the greatest stories, you know, of mankind. Of mankind. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, a couple of uh, quick uh, anecdotes. I have been to the space center, but I have not been there since I was a child. Uh, two things. One. I ripped off NASA just a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, one before I went to NASA, I did a I did a school project about uh, the first moon landing, Apollo Eleven, and I said I wrote to NASA and I said I'm doing a school project. I would like to have stuff up on my posters and displays and my you know all that, and they sent me the thickest envelope of eight by ten glossies of every amazing shot you've ever seen. And all this material, and I loved it so much, and I got a pretty good grade. Is this based on a true story? True or is, story. Or this is a true story? This is an absolutely true okay, story. got it. So they sent me all this stuff. So then I wrote them again the next year. <laughs> I wasn't doing any project. I just wanted more stuff. And they sent me another big envelope with some of the same stuff and some new stuff. I got greedy again, wrote to them a third time, and they wrote back saying, We've already given you plenty. <laughs> Did they really? Yes, they said. We cannot keep sending all this stuff to you. That's amazing. I would imagine there's probably somebody at a desk that says, not this kid again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they knew that. They're tracking where their mail is going. Don't mess with NASA. <laughs> As opposed to like, we're inundated, just give them whatever they want. He actually like. Nope, he's done it twice. He yeah. doesn't get another one. No, you've had enough. What, what is your you've role? had yours. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I did go to the Space Center one time uh, with my family while we were taking it. was a side trip from Disney World, and they were going to be launching a satellite. And mm. uh, we waited through delays all day, and they said, nah, it's not going to happen. They it's probably it? not going to happen. They didn't officially scrub it. Okay. Because... In my rear window, about looking out the back window as my father drove, I saw the smoke trail. Oh, wow. That was rising into dusk (laughs) that we had missed. (laughs) Oh, wow. (sighs) So we'll say at the the Space Center as well, too, for those keeping with film, in the price of admission, it includes two IMAX movies as well. Oh, that's cool. Which is pretty cool. It's like slotting museums. It's an extra fee, you know, to enjoy those films. So it's 45-minute films in their IMAX theater that are 3D. So- Pretty cool, pretty cool. But they've done a great job with the films that they've presented there, whether whether it's through Apollo or the shuttle. Great job in terms of cinematography for all these different exhibits as well, too. So from coming to it from a film angle, they've done an incredible job of keeping people intrigued, whether you're a child or an adult or someone that's just an enthusiast or not even just to learn. And you, you realize that when you go there and you hear so many different accents and languages being spoken there, it just fascinates so many people from around the world. And yeah. that's how you know you're doing a good job, and you've really fascinated people when you're able to bring them in like that, too. Having just been to the Space Coast, Justin Bradford, I am so pleased to hear that unlike some historic places, they have not just left up the same displays that they made 20 the years ago. Fantastic. It sounds like they are cutting edge in getting you the entertainment value out of the history of what happened. Absolutely. There. So interactive exhibits, it's accessible. 
as well too so it's wheelchair accessible even the hands-on activities are wheelchair accessible mm. you can tell they've done a fantastic job of making everything there accessible for anybody that has special needs uh, that's, that's something fantastic. that really is near and dear to my heart uh, when you see that whether it's like the using the arms on the space shuttle to try to do this or, or docking with the space shuttle or landing the space shuttle different heights are available of these interactive exhibits um, they have an interactive shuttle launcher which even astronauts say is probably the closest you can get being accurate for the general public cool. <laughs> wow it's it you feel some g's it's, it reminds me of mission to mars on uh, at epcot at walt disney world so incredible they've done so many great things with technology there to keep it up to date to make you feel like it's something new every time you go because there's so much there that you need two days at least to experience it but yeah they've done a fantastic job with the packaging of, of new footage and we're talking footage that goes into like the college days of some of these astronauts we're talking about specific little items from their past and how it know encourage them to become an astronaut they have so much film and so much video that they've collected from astronauts and engineers and everything there that it is really difficult to soak it all in in one day and so again taking it from the film perspective it is amazing to see everything they've collected and have been able to put into exhibits to make it interactive and not just you walk up and it's just continuously playing no you're selecting what you want to learn about and it really makes it to where it drives in the concentration for you to actually soak it in So just for fun, let's score Apollo 13, Justin Bradford. <laughs> so this is the film You're that the I... the space guy now. You get the honor of going first on this episode. Thanks. I'm the space guy, also known as Yo Artemis. Or hey, space boy. Yo Artemis. Yo Artemis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did buy some merch, so I do have Artemis merch. Uh, but this is the film, the first one that I watched on launch day, which, to give backstory, we had to report to Kennedy Space Center at 1.30 in the morning. We were at the Vehicle Assembly Building at 2.30 in the morning for a launch that was supposed to open the window at 8.30 a.m. So because for traffic purposes, we had to get as deep as we could. Like, we were the closest yeah. that you could be to see this launch. You know, the vice president was up on top of the VAB. We were just down below it. Wow. It pretty pretty neat overall with all the cameras and everything. But fantastic to watch even on an iPad, sitting on a bus, seeing looking across the water and That's seeing this neat. big rocket That's right awesome. there getting ready to take off. Um, So it just wow. holds a special place in my heart. I remember watching as a kid in 1995. Because I've always been just a fan of space and intrigued with space travel and just seeing how people came together and what it meant. I probably scored even higher, even though we did talk that it deserved more awards. So I give it a nine. I give it a nine out of ten because I'm trying to keep it separate from what, like with the documentary, like with that, the 9.5, because of what it meant. This just overall as a film, a nine for me just because of the way it touched me, the way I think it was done. It was cast so incredibly well. And especially when you know that astronauts love it. It means that it was accurate, and you're not just thinking, "Oh, that had to be pretty accurate." No, it was pretty accurate with what they how they portrayed everything so much. True. Uh, this is Jim, and uh, I'm just going to continue just for this episode only, and then I'll stop. Uh, I will give it a nine plus one dollar. Uh, <laughs> just I just want to top Justin every time, but I will give it a nine point one uh, because I think this is so many people uh, that are so good at filmmaking both in front of and behind the camera, at their peak, uh, that you're just not going to top this too often. This is just a solid film. Appreciate it because it doesn't come along very often. Prior to the podcast, meaning not today, I mean the launch of our, of our show, a launch of Untitled Film Project podcast. Prior to that, I always gave grades. I've given grades for decades. So like, you know, B minus, C plus, D plus, whatever, whatever it was, because Entertainment Weekly... Conditioned me to do that as a kid. Sure. Like, so, okay, we're speaking in grades. That's how it's universal. That's how I'm going to do. No, he was influenced by the media. I was. Uh, 
I'm <laughs> yes. Uh, I bring this up for a reason because I've only given an A plus to eight different movies in my life. That's how rare it wow. is because I actually have a list of them and there's only eight on the list. And this is one of them. It's a 10 for me. It nice. is a perfect film. It is perfectly cast. The story is perfect. The directing is perfect. It is one of the best films, obviously, that I've ever seen, one of the top eight films I've ever seen. And it was a joy to go back and watch it, to revisit it for this episode. Excellent. There you go. I give it a 10. Very good. That's why he was so excited. And when we finally set up a again. Patreon, our Patreon members can get access to the other films that you've given an That is correct. To. Or I, you have to wait maybe six months for us to do another one of these classic episodes, and maybe you'll get one of them. It'll, it'll be on his only films. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's his only films <laughs> account. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> Okay, it's time on the Untitled Film Project podcast for us to ask the big question. All right, the big question this time is, are top three sports movies? This is not what we think are the best, I don't think. I think it's our personal take. It's our top three sports movies is the way I look at it. That's important to note. It is, yeah. to me, because this, I know other people are going to disagree because it depends on what sports you like, too. Okay. Sure. Depends on what That's type one of the sports you enjoy. It. Yeah. yeah, it is. And all three of us have been very involved in sports. We all play hockey. Uh, we've been in sports radio before as well, too. So I think a lot of that kind of carries weight into this. But that's why I present this as our top three sports movies. Not what you think are the best, because okay. I think that would completely change it. For someone like me, it would completely oh, it change would it. definitely change it for me. So I went yeah. into this as our top three favorite sports movies, the ones that we enjoy the most. All right. So hit us up with the first one. Okay. Justin, since you came up with the uh, the question. All right, uh, I'm going to go in order. Okay. So this would be number three for me is Rudy. Okay. Uh, it is one of those ones that I, especially when it's on TV and it's in the middle of the movie, it's on. It's on. It's it's going to be on. I'm going to finish Til it. Till the end. Till the end. Especially just seeing, see the actors in it as yes. well too. And you see John Favreau and you're like, oh, it's happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and seeing Samwise Gamgee up there too. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Making that push. But it is a feel-good sports movie about hard work, determination. And even if you do not care anything for Notre Dame. <laughs> It still has a fantastic message and story with it, and I just I love the movie. the The music behind it, I know you guys roll your eyes, but the music behind it is in, is incredible to build up those tense moments and the way that a team comes together for their teammate that has sacrificed everything for them comes together to make sure that he gets a chance to play. I absolutely love that film. He has a moment. That's it great. Does. Great submission, Jim. Uh, you know I'm going to uh, piggyback onto that because I think there's a theme that in several sports movies on my list, uh, and that is uh, a working-class attitude, somebody playing above their level, okay? Uh, So I'm going to go to my obscure movie from the past, 1979's Breaking Away. Mm. Okay? Okay. 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 A little uh, deep cut here. It was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, It... uh, didn't win. I think it won best screenplay, adapted screenplay, possibly. Uh, but it's about cycling, and it takes place in Indiana, and it is about uh, a bunch of kids who live in this town, but it's a college town. So there's two types of people in the town, and guess what? They don't like each other. But it just just so happens that they have a cycling team, and you know the you know a couple of the townies are pretty good. And they've got to go up against not only the university people, but also they 
go up against from people around the world. And it's an incredible story. It's also a love story. And uh, it's that kind of working class, you can do this. It doesn't matter if somebody has been doing this their whole life and they're the best of the best. You're rising out of nowhere to be able to compete with them. And I think Breaking Away is an inspirational movie. You'll absolutely love it. I like it. I like that choice a lot. I like that choice Mr. Gover. Jeremy K. Gover. I'm going to go a little more recent. Uh, I'm going to go A League of Their Own. Great film. Huge baseball fan growing up before I found hockey. And so I've always had a love for baseball. I collected all the baseball cards and studied stats and knew who all the Hall of Famers were and all that, right? And I had zero idea there was a women's league at some point. And so this movie not only educated me on that, but it made it, it, it delivered it in such a way that was funny. It had memorable performances. Mm-hmm. It was directed very, very well. There was a there's a personal touch to the characters. Like you know, you you, you really got invested in the characters. And so I, I would just say, A League of Their Own is my number three. Oh, and yeah. and now to build on that even more, there's a series. Yes, League yeah. of Their Own. So yes. to, to I've dive not even deep, try yet. yeah, to dive even deeper into the message right. behind that as well, and how important that was as a league. Yeah, the original film uh, was a. Besides Tom Hanks, very daring casting. Oh, for and they, sure. And it all worked. Yes. It all worked. They they fired on all cylinders. Yes, they did. did. That was great. Nice choice. This is one of my favorite movies of all time, not just sports movies. Um, remember the Titans. Wow. Did okay. I steal one from you, Mr. Yes. Gover? Damn it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well then both of you talk well, about we'll it. Both at talk the same about time. it. So, no, no, I've pivoted already. You don't have to pivot. Like it's okay to we share. It's some okay favorites. to love popular things. You oh don't my have gosh. to give the record store. I thought store that was clerk. a little out of left field and I would be able to I it was would a be, little out of left field. If you're listening and you wonder if we share our list beforehand, this is very obvious that we do not. <laughs> we do not. No. <laughs> Either we're, no, we're the best actors ever. Yeah. I, and trust me, we're not. This is one of those, it, it hit me at the right moment in time when it came out as well, too, and just an incredible meaning. Again, based on a true story, they took liberties and stuff like that, but they had the coaches involved in the making of this, and the story behind putting two schools together, obviously one predominantly black, one white, that they had to come together to be a team, and the struggles, the challenges they faced with that, how they had the right people in place at the right time, and also surviving disaster and heartbreak it's it's to me an incredible film with an incredible meaning that i think more and more people need to watch nowadays amen and why it's important yeah. to come together amen. and why certain things shouldn't keep you from being able to work with other people love that. um and love other people and i just love the message how it shows how important it is to stand up for others and to stand up for what is right and i just love the overall messages there's comedy there's drama there's heartbreak there's sorrow, there's celebration, there's so much through it all. And there's so many things that yeah. you just mentioned that that are not winning the game. Right. Like, it's not that, about the game. It's not much, about the game. Yeah, it's about the people. And again, the music side of it, it's when that final play is happening as well. The music, the way it builds up to it is just an incredible piece of music. I love the score, like I tend to do, for this film <laughs> so, so much because I can hear it and know exactly what's happening in the movie. That's how often I've seen the movie is because I can hear the score and know exactly what moment is happening in the film. So I, I love it. Jeremy, Jeremy are, are you, are you going to pivot? or no, are you going to pivoting. St- you're pivoting. I'm okay. pivoting because I came with an honorable mention list, okay. so I'm okay. going right. to draw okay. from that. Okay, right. He's, he's going to pivot, go to his uh, uh, castaway. There was a volleyball in it. Um, okay. <laughs> pivot? <laughs> that was my up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, he stole it again. Okay, I'm going to go with, uh, I think, a sports movie about a sport you don't care about 
if it's done well, is an amazing achievement. Basketball. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just taking all my awesome. good Sorry, Jim. Sorry. So I've never been that much of a basketball fan, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Hoosiers in there oh, okay. as yep. a, a phenomenal sports movie. Obviously, if Gene Hackman is, is going to be in it, it's going to be great. But this may be one of his best performances. It's a fantastic redemption story. You know, he, he's a guy with a spotty past, and the only reason he gets a job teaching and by the way, also going to get to coach basketball is because it's an old friend of his. It's the principal. And he's just, he's giving, throwing him a bone. And so there's, there's this great redemption story. There's wonderful stories about the players and the things they had to overcome. So uh, Hoosiers for me, a guy who doesn't care that much about basketball, made me care so much about basketball. So to that, I give it, you know, all the credit in the world. Hi, Mark. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, this, I had to div, dive into my honorable mention category, uh, <laughs> and I will pull out Happy Gilmore. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, you said favorite, not best. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, 100%. Uh, yes. It's not a great film, but it's one of Adam Sandler's best films. Most mm-hmm. quotable. Definitely most quotable. And uh, yeah, Happy Gilmore, It uh, no matter how many times I watch it, I still laugh in certain parts, which is always the mark of a true great comedy. And it incorporates two sports, hockey, which mm-hmm. I love, and golf, of which I, you know, I'm meh too. Right. But I, but they put it in such a way that I, I'm into it. Right. As a, as a general sports fan, I'm into yeah. it. There's they're talking my language. There's always a shooter McGavin in the world. You always come across <laughs> those people. So you're like, okay, I get it. You know. And then it's and seeing it uh, recently, uh, I had forgotten completely that Ju- Julie Bowen. Yes. Mm-hmm. From Modern Family, yes, is the love interest in the movie, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there she's this. I love this even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy Happy Gilmore is my. Uh, I don't know why I said that twice. Happy Gilmore is my number two. I suppose now it was number four, but now it's number two. I like it. I like it. At the top of Justin Bradford's sports movies. So I this was in when it came out in 2004. I was able to go to a, a, one of those public screenings that sometimes you just win tickets yeah. to, and when I was living in Ohio. Of all places, Ohio. Oh. <laughs> when I was in college, uh, and it's Miracle. Miracle is my number one. That I, is, I figured somebody was going to use Miracle. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Just like Remember the Titans. Those are t- those are in my top ten of all time favorite movies. And it's not just because of the story that it's telling of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. It is the effort they put in the effort that Disney put into making this film. When it came to the casting, when it came to the cinematography, the film of it, for those of you that may not know, there's reasons why there's certain things that you see on, on cameras, things that you don't. And the big part of casting with this was, especially for the players, is they wanted to take real hockey players yeah. and then turn them into actor, actors second. Yes. So instead Which is of, quite a task, by the quite way. Quite a task. <laughs> but they wanted to make yeah. sure the scenes on the ice were real. Yeah. And not trying to teach an actor that couldn't skate how to skate because then they wouldn't be able to mimic the same motions that people have done for years to be able right. to perfect. And yes, or, or use body doubles. Or use body doubles, right. yeah. But sure. they took. And so, for instance, in terms of the casting of this, the person that played um, Buzz Schneider was Billy Schneider. So even taking relatives or people that have been in this, and, and you yeah. see so much of this throughout this film, if you go into IMDb, this is their only film, or maybe they tried to cut it as an actor and a couple other things after that, but not many did. But they take so much of the footage that really happened in these games and they recreate it for this as well, to where it is a step by step recreation of what actually happened during these games. I appreciate that level of effort to not just 
retell a story or put their own spin on it, but try to tell it as real as they possibly could. And even to the point with Kurt Russell playing Herb Brooks, that unfortunately Herb Brooks died before he was able to see the final product of the film. And yeah. they mentioned that in it, but that he took it so seriously in, in his portrayal of Herb Brooks that I just absolutely enjoy. And it was one of the most memorable speeches in terms of sports moments, which didn't really happen, <laughs> but they make it happen in the film. And, you know, we've seen it at Predators games or, or other hockey games where the little kid has gone around and toured to yeah. give the speech, the pump-up speech. But it is one of my all-time favorite films because of the meaning behind it, but also because of the effort they put to make this film happen, to tell that story. Sure. Yeah. I love that they uh, made an effort to, to give you the mood of the country and why yes. the miracle on ice was important That's more than for morale of an entire nation. Right. So, yeah. Yes. That, that, I totally would have put that on my list, but I, f- I knew one of you guys was going to do it for me. <laughs> it wasn't going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't think it's a great movie. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you my He's top. about to fight me over here. I know. I, I love it. I, I think this was kind of a gimme, but I really think people need to reexamine the original Rocky. Uh, it has been silly after several incarnations and sequels. Uh, but if you go and watch the original Rocky and try to put everything out of your mind, uh, that is what I've mentioned before, what I love in a movie. It is somebody, it is a, a working class, out of their league, playing above their head movie. And Sylvester Stallone, people don't remember that this movie was the buzz of the Academy when it came out. Oh, yeah. There was nothing like it. That's right. And it was superbly done. And uh, boxing is another thing that uh, I enjoy more in films than I do in real life because there's been some great boxing movies, but none greater than Rocky. So you might say Raging Bull? I was going to ask about Raging Bull. (laughs) I almost think they're A and B. And speaking of boxing and Raging Bull, my number one is not those. So my, <laughs> uh, I would like to read this. I would like to read a passage, if I may. Uh, I'm not no. going to say what it is. It'll give it away. But I, I'll read just this sentence. It is one of the country's oldest continuously running sporting events. So for those haters that are like, that's not a sport, suck it. Here we go. Is it the Big Lebowski? No. It is Best <laughs> in Show. Oh. Oh, I love Best in Best Show. Best in Show. Is tremendous. Did not see this coming. And no. my favorite sports movie of all time. Best in show. It is so masterfully done. Is one of the best mockumentaries yes. I've ever <laughs> I would call it upon. the best mockumentary of all time. Absolutely. I, I, you can make an argument for Spinal Tap. But Best in Show is, I mean, it, it, it ever, whenever it's on, all you have to do is wait five minutes for some quotable ridiculousness to happen. Sure. And, of course, I love dogs, and so that only helps. Right. Uh, it's and, so great. And and seeing a show like Schitt's Creek yes. do so well and become so beloved. For sure. And then you see somebody like Catherine O'Hara yes. and Eugene Levy <laughs> yes. at their best, which they've always been at their best, but- Yes, that is that Parker Posey is amazing in that film. She is. Every every single person in it just nails it. She is amazing. Jane Lynch, incredible. Oh, so, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Um, that's that's who, that's how I know who Jane Lynch is. By the way, is that that movie's my introduction to Jane Lynch? Yeah, I'm mad that you thought of that and I did not. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about uh, the real life mission to space, which was documented through the Apollo 11. 
uh, documentary that came out in 2019 that was uh, from assembled footage and found footage and then restored, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, we've been talking about the Artemis program and the return to Moon. Apollo 13, one of the just most brilliantly done cinematic films uh, about our trips to the moon. If you would like to take an alternate universe side turn, I highly recommend on Apple Plus TV, watching for all mankind. If you're a multiverse person, mm-hmm. you'll absolutely love it. It's very human. It takes us in places you never would imagine. So if you're thinking, well, what if something went wrong and things didn't happen the way they did? This is one of the places it might have gone. It does a fun. great job of character building and yes. taking that time to character build. And if you've watched Man in the High Castle on Amazon, yeah. which is the take on what would have happened if the Nazis and Empire of Japan had won in World War II instead of the, the Allies, similar to that, I love those aspects on the what if. One singular moment in yep. history can change so much, and that singular moment of the U.S. laying in on the moon first changed so much in history that I don't think people realize necessarily for All Mankind explores that, and it really does change everything. Thank you so much for spending your time with us on the Untitled Film Project podcast, where we've kind of taken a little bit of a different direction this time, talking about what's really happening at the space program for uh, NASA and Apollo 11 and its depictions of what happened 50 years ago. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> and the Earth is round. Uh, and uh, we've also jumped into some other great things that we love uh, that have been in the genre or are currently ongoing in the genre. So thank you so much for joining us. To find us on social media, we are everywhere. Just look for... Everywhere. Untitled Film Project Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, Amazon. Yeah, we have the links in our bio. So just go to us on social media, click that link and buy, and you can have it any way you want it. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.